verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if he was the Messiah, if he was who they say he is, he would know how filthy and nasty and dirty and grimy and ratchet the woman is who's touching him. And we're going to end right there because the scripture says that she is a sinner. The title of my message is From Religious to Relentless. From Religious to Relentless. Father, open up our eyes and our ears that we may receive a word from you that would change and transform our lives forevermore. Hide me behind your cross. Let your voice be louder than mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 Do me a favor. Push the person next to you and say from religious to relentless. Come on, push them. Just push the person next to you. Push them. Push them. Go ahead, push them. You've been waiting to do this. For some of you, you've been waiting for this moment. Go ahead, push them. Come on, Columbia, just push them. Come on, UBC, yeah, push them. Say, really, really. Now look at the person who pushed you. Say, touch me again. You're going to need religious. Oh, you're really, really. Y'all, I am what you call a church kid, born, raised in church. My mother always took me to church from the time I was a baby, and I've learned a lot about church, and I've learned a lot about church people. I've been in church for a mighty, mighty, mighty long time, and so I've seen church, and here's one thing I've discovered about church. People come to church for the most random reasons Ever. I know you think that everybody's here for the same reason. No, no. Everybody's here for just a little bit different reasons. There are some people, not everybody, but some people came to church today or they come to church regularly because it is a two-hour break from their kids. They get to just come here, drop their kids off, and say, God, I pray. They don't care who's preaching. They are asleep. They texting. Somebody right now is checking emails at work while their kids are being taken care of. They say, I don't care what they're doing in that church. I just know that they take my kids for two hours. Boom. Here you go yours. There are some people, I got you, there are some people, you're not going to believe this, who just come to church because they were threatened by a grandmother said, if you ever want to see me again, you better get to church, son. And so you are in church because you are scared for your life because you have a family member who told you you would never see them again unless you went to church. You're not going to believe this one, but there are some people who come to church looking for a boo. While we worshiping, they watching. It's your breath and my life. <laughs> to you all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To you all. I, I, I grew up. I grew up in the hood. And, and there were people in my neighborhood who went to church because they were looking for the number to play the lottery for the week. And so they said Luke 7, 3, 6, 3, 9, 3, ah! 
don't do that. Somebody's going to be like, Luke, thank you. Here's the deal. Whatever brought you to church today, and I believe I can say this on behalf of our senior pastors and all the leaders of our church, whatever brought you here today, we're just glad that you are here, and we want to say welcome home, and you're in the best place you can be on a Sunday morning. But here is our prayer. Our prayer is that regardless of why you came here, at some point, we want you to have a real encounter with the real God that will change and transform your life forevermore. Let me say that again. Our prayer, our desire is that regardless of what brought you to church, that at some point you have a real encounter with God that will change and transform your life forevermore. Now, when I say have an encounter with God, I'm not talking about the churchy God you might know. I'm not talking about the God depicted on TV or on social media. When I'm talking about God, I'm talking about the God of the Bible. I'm talking about the God in the book of Genesis who stepped out on nothing and said let there be light and light came just from the sound of his voice. I'm talking about the God in Exodus who stepped into an ocean, split the ocean in two so that his people can walk through, closed it back up so that it can drown Pharaoh and his armies. I'm talking about the God in the book of Joshua who said march around the city seven times. On the seventh time blow a trumpet and he said Said, then release a shout. I'm going to breathe on that shout and tear down every wall, keeping you out of what I've given you. I'm talking about the God in the book of Daniel when they put him in a den with a ferocious, crazy lion. God says, Daniel, go to sleep. I got this one for you. God stood in front of a lion, shut the lion's mouth, told his son to go to sleep so that it would not touch his servant. I'm talking about the God that put a little man named Daniel David in front of a big man named Goliath said why don't you go ahead and sling a rock I'm gonna breathe on that rock hit him upside the head make him fall down face first I'm, I'm talking about the God who raises up dead people the God who opens up eyes of the blind the God that unstocks deaf ears the, the God that was able to say I'm gonna put myself in a body put my body in a virgin make the virgin give birth so I can save my people from their sins when I'm talking talking about a real encounter with God. I'm talking about the real God. Because here's what we believe, Columbia. We believe that he's still stepping in the dark places and saying, let there be light and there's light. He's still opening up red seas and shutting it back up. He's still closing the mouth of lions. He's still opening up blind eyes. He's still knocking down giants. He's still releasing manna from heaven during the day, quail at night. He's still the same God. And what we've got to determine is have we settled? Have we settled? Have we missed out on a true encounter with this God? Because we've settled for just church as usual. Have we settled and missed out on true transformation? Because we just wanted a nice traditional experience. Have we missed out on being relentless for God because we've just become religious. Because you do know it's possible to be in church for so long 
that the songs don't move you anymore. It's possible to have watched so many sermons, heard so many sermons, that you no longer say amen based on revelation, but out of ritual. It's possible that you've been to so many conferences that God don't move you like he used to. You don't cry like you used to. You don't shout like you used to. You don't have, you don't feel it. You can become church numb. Numb to the things of God because you are so hooked on church that now it's just a religious experience instead of a relentless encounter. And this is the context in which we find Luke 7. Because in Luke 7, there is a Pharisee named Simon sitting next to Jesus, reclining at the table. And I'm going to be honest, the way the author and the writer set this up, it just seems like a comfortable situation. The Pharisee's next to Jesus, and he's cool, comfortable, collect, and chill. And I just believe that many people in church, that's how we want our Christian experience to be. I just want a nice, comfortable relationship with God. I want a nice, comfortable prayer life. I just want to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That kingdom come, that will be done. We good. Don't, 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 don't ask me to do all this praying in the morning and praying and, and pursuing. And you God gave me a prayer. I don't need a prayer, God. I just know God is great. God is good. Lord, I thank you for our food. That's it. There's some people who just want nice, comfortable worship. You worship at 10 and 2. That's it, 10, 2. I'm, I'm good. This is, this is all you're going to get. Don't ask for anything outside. Don't ask for no 12. Don't ask for no, I got 10, 2, good. There are some of us who want comfortable faith. Don't ask me to believe it for anything big. I'm not trying to do all that. I just want a nice, comfortable relationship with God. And so the Pharisee is nice and comfortable, and he's sitting at the table, and everything is great. But then something happens. What happens is that while the Pharisee is having a religious encounter a religious moment with God, all of a sudden a sinful woman shows up and changes the dynamic of the room because this woman comes in and she ain't playing no games. This woman comes in and she's ready to go. She ain't trying to have no religious practice. She's got a relentless pursuit and she's ready. And by the way, can I park right here for one second? The Bible says, Luke, I got to... I got to deal with this text for one second because the scripture don't tell me details about her life. In fact, in Luke, it gives us one detail about her life, that she was a sinful woman. Now, let me park right here for one second. Don't try to assume you know where her sin is. Because for some reason, we have a tendency Every time we see woman and sin in the Bible, we automatically assume she's a prostitute. But the text don't say she's a prostitute. The text says she's got some sin. In fact, if I really look at the text long enough, I can almost tell you some reasons why I don't think that it was she's a prostitute. She could have been a thief. It don't make a difference. What I'm saying is that don't subscribe, don't subscribe to someone some sin just because of issues that you have. Luke says, hey, she's a sinful 
woman. Now, now, why don't he just tell me her height? Why, why didn't you tell me who her father is? How come you didn't tell me what her occupation was? Why are you going to give me this one detail about her? Out of all the things you could have said about who she is, you going to give me this one little thing that she's a sinful woman? You could have said so much. Why does Luke say that? Because Luke is making something very, very clear in this passage. He is saying that there is something about relentless pursuit that gets God's attention regardless of your past regardless of what you've done regardless of who you are sometimes the people who've been in church the longest are the fathers away from God and sometimes it's the person that God snatched out of the pit that it's that God snatched out of darkness that come in here with a pursuit and what Luke is making clear is I don't care what they told you about the requirements you need in order to get to God the only requirement you need to get to God is not perfection but passion Luke is trying to show us what gets God's attention is relentless pursuit. At the top of this chapter, there's a centurion who goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I got a servant that needs healing, but I need you, but I'm not worthy for you to come in my house. Just say the word. Relentless pursuit got Jesus' attention. In the very next chapter, there is a synagogue leader falls at the feet of Jesus, says, my 12-year-old daughter, she needs you. Can you come and heal her? On his way to heal her, a woman who's been with the issue of blood for 12 years touches the hem of his garment. He's saying, relentless pursuit is what I'm looking for. We're not looking for perfection. Where's your passion? Where's the pursuit that you have? That is what gets God's attention. Pastor Stephen says it all the time. He always talks to, us, talks to us about this idea of an unusual pursuit. And my question is, are you attending church out of routine? Are you attending church out of ritual? Are you just coming to church just to pass the time? This is going to make you lucky. This blesses your business. This is something that you do because it's just going to open up something in your life. Or is there a pursuit on the inside of you? Is there a desperate cry? Is it, God, I came here because I need you. And so now we got to ask the question, how do I go from religious to relentless? Because here's what I cannot do. We can't let you settle for a comfortable Christianity because you don't have comfortable problems. You ain't got comfortable depression. That ain't comfortable stress. That ain't comfortable trauma. And you don't have a comfortable enemy. In fact, he is ferocious about you. You got to be relentless about God because the enemy's relentless about you. And he don't come at convenient times. It's not like the enemy says, oh, she just got married. Let me not do that to her. No! Oh, he's only five. Let me not. I can't do that to a child. No. He don't care that you're five. He will introduce you to something that will be so traumatic in order to catch you. He ain't even thinking about the five-year-old you. He's thinking about the 50-year-old you. And he's thinking if I get you at five while you're nice and innocent, maybe I can make sure you stay quiet for the rest of your life. 
but I'm just determined if he's coming at me, I'm coming at God. Is there anybody in the room that says, I don't want no comfortable Christian. I'm coming after God because I need him. So how do we go from religious to relentless? How, how do we go? How do we go? First thing we do, we're going to pull it from the text. First thing we see is that you have to let go of the perfect time mentality. Let go of that perfect timing mentality. Here's what I call that. The woman comes in there, she's not invited. There's no name tag there for her at the door. There's no seat for her at the table. She does not care. She just walks up. How you gonna roll up in somebody else's house? And don't even talk to the person whose house it is. I'm coming for the guests that's sitting at your table. She does not care. She rolls up in the house. Now, don't assume she broke in. Don't assume it, it was probably an easy access for her to get in the house. But the truth is still the same. It's not her house. This ain't your tent. Get out of this tent. What are you doing in here? It, it's because she's relentless. She's not waiting for the perfect time. We are people, Columbia, where we... we God, as soon, as soon as the kids go back to school, I'm going to pursue you like crazy. God, right now I'm working three jobs. As soon as it goes down to two, then I'm really going to go after you. God, I'm single, but as soon as I get married, I'm telling you, wait, me and my spouse going to do it together. We believe in perfect timing so much that in church, we do something called take a break. I, 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 we, we literally come to church and say, I, I think I'm going to take a break for a while because this is not the right time for me. And when we say take a break, we think that we're saying, I'm just going to take a break from church for a couple, for a little bit. But what we're really saying is, I need a break from that relentless pursuit that I was going after God. I just need some time just because I got so much going on. I can't pursue him in this season like I did in the last season. And no, you got to change that mindset. You got to understand that no, God don't deal with perfect time. We don't need perfect time. Relentless people will pursue God regardless of what's happening in their life. Relentless people say things like, I'm tired, but I'm waking up at five and I'm going to prayer. Because I, I need this. Uh, uh, yep, I got, uh, whoo, they changed my shift at the job, but I'm still going to get in that word. I'm still going to church. Let me give you a small story. This is just a small example of just not perfect timing. I, I got my license, my driver's license when I was 16 years old. In Massachusetts, you could get your permit, your drive, your learner's permit at 16, and then if you if you waited six months and went to driving school, after six months, your driving instructor would take you to go get your license. So I remember my driver instructor, he took me to go get my driver's license. So you have to take a driving test, stop sign, uh, parking, three-point turn, high, all these different things. And so it was me and another student, another young lady. I'm 16 years old. I'm sitting in the back. There's a state trooper right here. And, and the, the girl who went first, she failed. She, she didn't stop at the stop sign. She, she kind of went past the stop sign. And so she failed. And so I'm nervous because this, this, this state trooper, everybody told me that she's, she grades hard. So I get in the front, I get in the front seat, and my mother, 
she, she, she taught me something called traveling mercies. Now, I don't know who came up with this phrase, but, but all I know is from the time I was a kid, my mother said, before we drive, you pray for traveling mercies. I don't know who made that up, but my mother said pray for traveling mercies. So, so I'm used to just praying for traveling mercies. I get in the car. This is a true story. I get in the car, sit down, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to pray for traveling mercies. I'm in a state trooper. I'm not going to do that. I, I'm just going to do it in, in my head. And I heard the Lord, 16 years old, I heard the Lord say, hey, pray. And I was kind of like, no, God, it's not time. This is not time. This is when I have my friend. And God said, no, pray, pray. And I said, no, God. Uh. And, and, then, and then I started praying in my mind, Lord, I pray for child mercy. And God said, no, pray out loud. And I remember the state trooper sitting right here. She said, come on, can we go? Let's, let's go. And he just pulled off. She doesn't know in my mind I'm kind of like nervous. I'm like, God, but I can't. This just looks weird. If I do this, this is going to be dumb. And I can't pray for child mercies. And God said, pray for child mercies. So I'm sitting there looking at her, the instructors in the back, the girls over here. And, and I said, uh, give me one second. Father, in the name of Jesus, can you cover every person in this car and give us traveling mercies? True story. The state trooper, she said, oh, my God. Did you just pray? I said, yes, ma'am, I did just pray. She said, pass. I said, wait. But I didn't drive yet. She said, I've been doing this for a long time. And as long as I've been doing this, I ain't never seen a 16-year-old boy sit in this seat and pray before we drive. She said, if you know how to pray before you drive, I just believe you'll stop at a stop sign. You'll know how to park. I ain't even worried about you. Why? Because there's some things that God won't release until you get a relentless pursuit and say, God, I'll pray at the most inconvenient time. That's how I got my driver's license. <laughs> you got to learn how to pursue. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Notice it doesn't say seek only. Jesus said, I'm not trying to be the only thing you seek. I just need to be the first thing you seek. And if you seek me first... Timing don't matter. Jesus. Number two, you got to let go of your personality and preferences. You got to let go of your personality and preferences. You got to remember, here is this woman. She comes in here. She's got all this expensive perfume. She is crying. She is kissing his feet. She's, she's using, come on, I need every woman in this room to feel. I, can't nobody feel this like a woman can feel this. And I, I, I can only do my best. I can only do my best to understand what she's dealing with. But can't nobody feel this like a woman. She took her hair. She said, ooh. She took, in, in that culture, your hair was like your glory. She took her glory, her crown, and she put it at the feet, the lowest part of Jesus. And because she's saying, my personality and my preference don't matter. My, 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 none of that stuff matters because I'm here to worship God. We don't pursue God because our personality gets in the way. We say things like, I, I'm not a crier. I don't cry. I'm not a person who gets up early. Just not my thing. 
That song is not my style. I would. I'd go in with you. But, but I'm just waiting for my preference. Uh, we, we, I just don't jump. I'm just not the kind to pray out loud. I'm, I'm just not. And so what happens is when we make our pursuit, whew, when we relegate our pursuit to our preference and personality, we make the pursuit about us. When the pursuit is supposed to be about the one we're pursuing. I learned this uh, when I got married. Uh, there's a book called The Five Love Languages. And in The Five Love Languages, there's a man named Gary Chapman. He said that people communicate love in a particular way. And typically, we want to receive love the way we communicate it. The issue is that the person we're with, they have a different language. And so the way you're communicating it don't mean anything to them, but it means something to you. And so he talks about the five love languages. He talks about uh, acts of service, gifts, quality time words of affirmation, and physical touch. My love language is physical touch. For me to feel loved, my wife's got to hug me. She, she got to hold my hand. She got to just put her hand in my head and just massage the top of my head. My, she's she's got to do weird stuff like scratching my back at night. Just, just come on, just scratch my back. Ah, feels not, I feel so loved. The problem is that that's not her love language. So physical touch is how I communicate love. So, so when I'm holding my wife's hand, I feel love. She feels sweat. It's like it's hot. It's just... Sometimes I surprise her with a hug like, what's up, girl? She's like, oh, my God, stop. Oh, what'd you do? You're just, you scared me. You almost gave me a heart attack. I'm like, girl, I'm trying to show you some love. What? She's like, stop, get off me. Ah, stop. Because my wife's love language is acts of service. That is the worst love language. Columbia, UBC, flowers. That is a terrible for my wife to feel love, I got to take out the trash. I got to go wash the car. I don't even know how to work on cars. I got to lift the hood and look like I'm doing something. Like, do you see me? I'm, yeah, yes. Yeah, I'm washing dishes, and she's looking at me like, you better wash them dishes. And I'm like, you like this? This right here? You like this? Yeah, just keep washing dishes. I'm like, really? You like that? And why, why am I doing it? Even though washing dishes don't do nothing for me, I'm doing it because it does something for her. And you got to get to a place with God that says, God, even though worship don't do nothing for me. I don't, I don't like raising my hand, but do you like this? If you like me raising my hand, I'll raise my hand. You want me to jump? I'll jump. You want me to get up early? I'll get up early. You need me to cry? I'll cry. God, whatever you like, I'm willing to do. What's your preference? You can't pursue God with your preference. You got to pursue him with his. And he likes relentless Pursuit, not religious practice. Number three, you got to let go of other people's perception. The woman knows she's going to be criticized. She absolutely knows she's going to be talked about. 
She absolutely knows that when she goes up in this house, that people are going to look at her side eye. And she still says, I don't care. I'm going to pursue him. Can you pursue God past what your mother thinks? Can you pursue God past what your friends think? Or is your pursuit at the mercy of people's understanding? And some of us don't pursue God because we're afraid of being called weird. I don't want to look like one of those weird people. Mind you, we don't say that when we get drunk. We don't say that when we're throwing money in the air at a strip club. We don't say that when we're high. But when we're pursuing God, I don't want to look weird. You got to get to a place where you're saying, God, I, I, I'll pursue you. Here's what I determined in my heart. That if Jesus didn't mind looking embarrassed for me, then I don't mind looking embarrassed for him. What if Jesus said, y'all not going to strip me naked? What if Jesus said, no, you're not going to hang me on no cross, spit in my face? Well, what if Jesus said, no, you're not about to blindfold me, punch me in the face and say, if you're a prophet, tell me who punched me. I'm not doing all that. I'm not going to embarrass myself because I know many people believe that, that, that Jesus had on clothing when he was crucified. No, they, they crucified you naked. They wanted to shame you and embarrass you. And Jesus decided when it comes to pursuing you, I'm willing to be embarrassed. I'm willing to look the fool. But can you do that for me? Here's what I discovered. I asked the question, why do people choose religion and religious experience over being relentless? And I discovered it at uh, the grocery store. When I was growing up, I wanted Rice Krispies. My, 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 I used to see the commercial, and I used to see the three little things. And I used to say, man, I want to make some, some Rice Krispies, man. You know, I, I want that, that, that snap, you know what I'm saying? That crackle and that pop. But when my mother would come home, she didn't come home with Rice Krispies. <laughs> my mama came home with some crispy rice. And I say, Mama, what is this? She say, son, it's the same thing. It's the same. It's the same. I say, Mama, it's not the same thing. Because the real thing lasts longer. But this thing, I know it's not the real thing because this got a snap and a crackle and a pop. This don't snap. It don't crack. It popped a long time ago. This gets soggy so fast. And my mother said, no, it's the thing, it's the thing. And she used to say that because they look the same. But just because we look the same don't mean we're made of the same thing. And I had to figure out why did my mother, when I wanted Rice Krispies, why does she come home with crispy rice? And the reason why is because one costs more than the other. The reason why we choose a religious experience instead of a relentless encounter is because being relentless costs you more. 
this cost me my personality. This cost me my preference. That this cost me what people think of me. This will cost me all oh, this will cost this. So I'd rather look the part and not last than to pay the price and be in for the long run. And God is saying today, choose the real thing. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. Come on, if you know it everywhere, come on, sing it. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. Come on, everybody, sing it again. See, I surrender. See, I surrender all. Say, I surrender all. Oh, for those right now in this moment you've been listening to this message and you've been feeling like man maybe I've settled maybe I've settled for just a church event and not a real encounter with God but today not only am I saying I'm coming back to relentless pursuit but for some of you in this moment you're coming back to the Lord you're saying man Jesus I, I want you to be be that in my life. I, I've been pursuing women and I, I've been pursuing houses and maybe you've been just pursuing your career and you're sitting there right now knowing that there's a God that loves you, that's crazy about you and that you've been unfulfilled in all these pursuits and you know that there's one pursuit that's going to shift your heart and that is the pursuit of you saying yes to God. I need everybody in the room, whether you've prayed this prayer a thousand times or you're praying it for the first time, I need everybody to repeat after me. Say, Father, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die just for me. Today I give my heart to you. I pursue you because you pursued me. Come into my heart. Save me now. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, that one little prayer, that one little prayer, God heard it. Come on, I didn't say Pastor Stephen heard it. I didn't say Pastor Brian heard it. I said God heard it. And if God heard your prayer, then I want to welcome you home. Come on, tell somebody welcome back home because God, the angels are rejoicing in heaven because now you are where he designed you to be. Listen, if